Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect workshop. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. During the workshop, you will hear from our panel of expert speakers. We will allow time for questions and comments following the presentation. Instructions will be given at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the workshop, please press star then zero on your touchtone telephone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. I would like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Messner, Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Oh, thank you so much, Glenda. And I, too, would like to welcome everyone to today's Cancer Care Workshop. And today's program is a workshop that's being done in collaboration with the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and many other organizations as well, um, many other cancer organizations as well as breast cancer organizations. And because of that collaboration, we have on the call today over 528 participants on the call today. And you come from all over the United States. And we also have international participants from Canada, South Africa, Taiwan, United Kingdom, and Venezuela. So really uh, a bit of a global call as well. Um, and today's workshop is, is today's entire series. This is a three-part series. This is part three of a three-part series. And today's program is really focusing on an area that I think is of great interest to all of you on the call today. It's on update on clinical trials and triple negative breast cancer. And it actually follows right after the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium, and so we're going to have the most up-to-date information that you can ever get anywhere. So today's, um, this entire workshop series, this three-part series, has been supported through an unrestricted educational grant to the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation from ISI Inc., Genentech, and Merck, and we really want to thank them for their support of the program and for their collaborative support of the program. And now we have just... Um, wonderful speakers, and I'm going to begin by introducing our first speaker, and our first speaker is Dr. Edith Mitchell, and Dr. Mitchell is a clinical professor of medicine and medical oncology, Department of Medical Oncology, Director, Center to Eliminate Cancer Disparities, Associate Director, Diversity Affairs, Sidney Kimmel Cancer Center at Jefferson, and she is the 116th President of the National Medical Association. So we are just delighted to have Dr. Mitchell on the call today. And Dr. Mitchell is going to be addressing highlights on triple negative breast cancer from the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium, or SABCS, discussion of participating in clinical trials, and their importance as a treatment option for triple negative breast cancer. It's now my pleasure to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Mitchell. Dr. Messner, thank you so much for the invitation to be uh, on the panel today, and I am very appreciative uh, to be on the panel with such an esteemed uh, group of clinicians and investigators to talk about uh, breast cancer. This is really a very important topic. I also want to thank the audience for being here today, for this is a busy time of the year, so joining us for this discussion uh, today uh, with such a large audience on the telephone uh, gives us a great uh, delight as well as a privilege. So triple negative breast cancer uh, represents a very important uh, subpopulation of patients with breast cancer. The elucidation of the estrogen receptor many years ago really has allowed for better understanding of the mechanisms of breast cancer growth and proliferation, but also it has allowed for uh, such understanding that medications were developed 
as a result of our knowledge of the estrogen uh, receptor. Uh, since that time, there have been other receptors that have been defined for breast cancer treatment and understanding uh, the growth of breast cancer and therefore uh, understanding what triple negative breast cancer is and identifying these patients. So triple negative breast cancer, what is it? It really represents somewhere 15 to 20% of all breast cancers diagnosed not only in the United States, uh, but in other areas as well. Um, a triple negative breast cancer diagnosis means that the cancer cells have been tested and we have identified the presence of the three different receptors that are commonly found on breast cancer cells. Uh, the estrogen receptor, which is called ER, the progesterone receptor, called PR, and the human epidermal growth factor, called HER2. When these receptors are present on breast cancer cells, uh, it allows for selection of therapies that are designated and defined to work against those receptors, to block those receptors, and therefore offer clinical benefit for the patient. When these receptors are not present on the breast cancer cells, uh, non-chemotherapy treatments that block the receptors, such as hormonal therapy, uh, such as tamoxifen and other hormonal therapies, are targeted therapies such as trastuzumab, better known as Herceptin, uh, for targeted therapies. These therapies do not work, they are not effective, and therefore the only treatment for patients with triple negative breast cancer uh, being available is chemo chemotherapy. Therefore, clinical trials, very important, and any patient who has questions about clinical trials, uh, not only in triple negative breast cancer, but other forms of breast cancer should talk with their physician and discuss those to see what clinical trials may be of interest and benefit to the patient. So what is triple negative breast cancer that identifies it uh, in terms of um, the activity of the cancer? Well, first of all, there are less favorable outcomes when we compare triple negative to breast cancer to other forms of breast cancer where either the estrogen receptor or the progesterone receptor or HER2 receptor is present. So these patients don't do as well in terms of uh, a number of outcome factors. Um, it also means that most of the patients will receive some type of chemotherapy either before uh, other treatments such as surgery or after other treatments uh, known as adjuvant chemotherapy. Um, another factor is that if neoadjuvant chemotherapy is given prior to surgical treatment and there is residual disease, residual cancer still present in the breast, it means that there um, 
a greater risk of recurrences in the future, and therefore this can be a prognostic marker. Uh, recurrences typically occur early, uh, two to four years after diagnosis and treatment. And after four years, there is a lower risk of recurrence than in other uh, breast cancers. It also means that metastases to other organs within the body, such as the lung, the liver, brain, uh, are more common in triple negative breast cancer than if the estrogen receptors or other receptors are positive. And there are no drugs that are specifically designated for treatment of triple negative breast cancers. And as I mentioned before, this occurs in some 15 to 20% of all of the breast cancers diagnosed in the United States. Uh, for patients, triple negative breast cancer characteristically occurs more frequently in younger women who are less than 50 years old, occurs more frequently in African Americans and uh, those of Hispanic descent. Uh, for BRCA1 uh, mutation carriers, some 80 to 85% of BRCA1 tumors are triple negative. And if we look at other uh, tumors, some 10 to 15% of triple negative breast cancers will harbor a BRCA1 mutation. So BRCA1 mutations being more common. Responses are commonly seen with chemotherapy, but have a shorter duration of effectiveness. And we know now that genomic sequencing can help us identify the triple negative breast cancers that tend to have um, more mutations, but also may have identification of what we call an actionable or targetable mutation. So these are mutations that we don't expect to see in all patients, uh, but they offer some benefits, so that's another benefit of clinical trials. And the purpose of breast cancer clinical trials really involves the use of these genomic uh, alterations to help us divine, uh, define new uh, drugs. Uh, immu uh, immunotherapy, which you'll hear about later today, has been shown to be of benefit for patients and therefore our clinical trials involving immunotherapy uh, that may offer some benefit to patients with triple negative breast cancer. There are a number of these agents uh, in clinical trials now. Some have been approved for other uh, cancers. Uh, also, other markers uh, such as the androgen receptor, which we've known about in prostate cancer for many years uh, may offer some benefit for some patients. So therefore, uh, genomic profiling may be of benefit. So in summary, triple negative breast cancer is, uh, or triple negative breast cancer identifies a subpopulation of patients, but even for triple negative breast cancer, not all triple negative breast cancers are the same so that we can identify different types of triple negative breast cancer by utilizing genomic profiling of the tumor to identify 
um, genetic alterations. So therefore, understanding triple negative breast cancer, understanding the clinical trials that are associated uh, that already have offered benefit to many patients with triple negative breast cancer. So it's always important to discuss with your physician and provider care team regarding clinical trials if there is a diagnosis of triple negative breast cancer because this offers greater opportunities for more effectiveness for the patients. So Dr. Messner, I thank you very much for allowing me to give an introduction to um, um, clinical trials for triple negative breast cancer and conferences such as the San Antonio Breast Cancer Conference and others offer uh, tremendous educational opportunities for the physicians, nurses, and pharmacists and others taking care of patients with triple negative breast cancer. There were some remarkable studies presented and I think our other um, uh, panel members will discuss some of them in greater detail, but the utilization of genomic profiling and immunotherapy are important aspects of new developments in the treatment of patients with triple negative breast cancer. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Mitchell. That was outstanding and wonderful, and I know there'll be questions for you during the Q&A, so thank you. And our next speaker is Dr. Matthew Getz, and Dr. Getz is, um, and I really my pleasure to introduce again another esteemed colleague, Dr. Getz, and uh, he is consultant, Division of Medical Oncology, Professor of Oncology and Professor of Pharmacology, co-leader Mayo Clinic Breast Spore, co-leader Women's Cancer Program, Mayo Clinic Cancer Center, Chair, Breast Cancer Research Committee, Mayo Clinic Cancer Center. So Dr. Getz has many roles, um, as do all of our speakers, and he is going to be addressing the current research presented on the treatment of triple negative breast cancer at the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium, investigational new drugs and clinical trials, and how and where clinical trials are conducted. And it's really now my pleasure to turn this program over to Dr. Getz. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Uh, just a, um, uh, a bit of a background, uh, this is my first uh, time on this call, and it's a great uh, pleasure and a chance to be here um, and to provide some uh, input on the current landscape uh, and current research in this area. I'm going to talk, um, uh, by the way, that was an excellent introduction by Dr. Edith Mitchell, um, and really um, go right into some of the um, highlights uh, that were recently presented at the uh, 40th Annual San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium. And there was one particular study that I thought was actually incredibly important. Um, and this was uh, a study that was actually um, um, uh, looking at not, not new drugs, but it was actually looking at um, how we use the existing drugs. And for um, many women with triple negative breast cancer, uh, the use of chemotherapy that Dr. Edith Mitchell outlined is a standard of care. And uh, one of the things that we have learned over the past uh, 10 or 15 years is it's not just uh, important in terms of what type of drug or which drug you receive, but actually how you actually get that drug and the actual schedule 
And so this was uh, a meta-analysis of clinical trials that were done that looked at um, how chemotherapy is given. And so stepping back, uh, if we look over the past uh, 20 years, there have been a series of studies that have demonstrated that for triple negative breast cancer, utilizing anthracycline-based chemotherapy, so this would be a, a drug called adriamycin, uh, uh, as well as another drug uh, class of drugs called taxanes, that these drugs have, imp have resulted in substantial improvements in the outcomes of women uh, not not just with triple negative breast cancer, but all breast cancer, but especially in women with triple negative breast cancer. And what this uh, uh, analysis of over 20,000 women that had enrolled in clinical trials across the last oh, 10 or 15 years showed was that um, giving chemotherapy at a closer interval, and this is called dose-dense, uh, and, and using the same drugs but using a different interval uh, uh, for the treatment led to substantial improvements in uh, breast cancer recurrence uh, and breast cancer mortality. And so um, we call the use of these, this schedule the dose-dense chemotherapy schedule. The data for this actually first came out in 2003 and 2004 and, and shortly after it came out, it started being uh, utilized. And now what we uh, are seeing as we look across now multiple studies with long-term follow-up is that there have been substantial improvements um, that have resulted uh, in uh, recurrence, uh, breast cancer mortality, and overall survival. So while this was not a, if you will, uh, um, a study that was looking at a new drug, it actually, in many ways, is as important as a new drug because it tells us how we should be uh, delivering our chemotherapy to patients. Um, another um, uh, uh, another uh, important presentation uh, at the San Antonio Breast Cancer so uh, Symposium was uh, a study that looked at the use of a PARP inhibitor. And this is, uh, a, a PARP inhibitors are a class of drugs uh, that target a, um, a specific alteration uh, that's present in the cancer cell uh, that can be um, that can be um, uh, better targeted in certain patients that have BRCA mutations. And we know, of course, that as Dr. Mitchell said, that patients who have triple negative breast cancer are more likely to have a BRCA uh, one mutation. Uh, and so this is certainly something that we look for clinically. But we now have a class of drugs that are called uh, PARP inhibitors that are available to target um, uh, patients who have these BRCA1 mutations. And uh, at the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium, there was a oral presentation looking at a PARP inhibitor called talozaparib. And this particular uh, uh, PARP inhibitor um, did indeed show, uh, or sorry, demonstrated efficacy in patients with BRCA1 and BRCA2 alterations. And of course, this will be an important uh, drug moving forward for the treatment of triple negative breast cancer. First, in patients that have the BRCA1 alteration, but importantly, in the future, uh, there is a ongoing research and clinical trials to identify 
other groups of patients with triple negative breast cancer that may indeed um, benefit uh, from this class of drugs. There's already another drug out there that has uh, been uh, presented. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, there has been an FDA submission, and we hope to have approval for this drug for breast cancer soon. And this is a drug that's called Olaparib. And so <clears throat> it's uh, very clear that the PARP inhibitors are an important uh, class of drugs uh, that will be useful for the treatment uh, of, uh, uh, of breast cancer. And clearly, triple negative breast cancer will be um, a subtype where these drugs will be used. Um, I'm going to just um, uh, talk just briefly um, a bit about uh, a new clinical tr uh, approach and a new clinical trial um, that's being developed um, uh, at the Mayo Clinic um, in uh, triple negative breast cancer. And as um, Dr. Mitchell said, triple negative breast cancer is noted to be to have the absence of the estrogen receptor. And uh, but when we think about the estrogen receptor, there are actually two types of the estrogen receptor. One of them is the estrogen receptor alpha, which is the one that's tested for right now in the clinic. Another is estrogen receptor beta. And estrogen receptor beta is different than estrogen receptor alpha, and it's actually been found to be a tumor suppressor. That is, when it's present in certain cancer cells, uh, the uh, outcomes of patients with this uh, uh, particular receptor tends to actually be better. And there's a, 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 an emerging uh, work that's demonstrated that estrogen receptor beta, when it's present in triple negative breast cancer, is associated with uh, better outcomes. And there's also preclinical work, uh, and this is work that's being done at the Mayo Clinic, uh, demonstrating that the estrogen receptor beta can actually be targeted and actually can be turned on. And um, this is a, a quite an interesting distinction because, as it turns out, that estrogen can actually turn on and actually uh, 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 cause an anti-cancer growth uh, in triple negative breast cancer in preclinical models when estrogen receptor beta is present. Importantly, uh, when estrogen receptor alpha is present, then we do not want to give estrogen. And, of course, there's uh, quite a bit of information about that uh, in the past. So this is a new approach, and, and again, this highlights the fact that there's a lot of different approaches right now ongoing uh, in the laboratory uh, to um, identify new ways uh, to treat triple negative breast cancer. With regard to ER beta, uh, the data suggests that about anywhere from 20 to 30% of triple negative breast cancers will express ER beta, uh, and a, a clinical trial will be opening, uh, uh, we hope, later in 2018, where, will we be, where we will be identifying the presence or absence of ER beta, and for those uh, patients who have a tumor that has ER beta expression, uh, uh, they would be a candidate for enrollment onto a clinical trial utilizing estrogen uh, with the goal um, of activating uh, estrogen receptor beta. So this is uh, one uh, approach, but there are many other approaches. Uh, these include things such as immunotherapy, uh, and as Dr. Mitchell mentioned earlier, uh, there are a number of studies um, that are actually 
utilizing uh, immunotherapy, uh, both in combination with chemotherapy, as well as uh, along with other um, uh, therapies uh, for triple negative breast cancer. I think my time is actually coming up here, so I'm going to stop uh, that and, and uh, I'll give it back to you. Oh, well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Guest. That was really outstanding and really a wonderful presentations, and we look forward to your questions. During the Q&A, I'm sure there will be questions for you as well, so thank you. And our next speaker is Dr. Roberto Leon Ferrer. Dr. Ferrer is going to be addressing what we learned from the SABCS about management of, trip, of treatment side effects, which is a really important area, quality of life research on the triple negative breast cancer presented at San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium, and specific questions to ask your healthcare team about participating in clinical trials. So it's my pleasure now to turn this program over to Dr. Leon Ferrer. Hello. Well, thank you very much for the invitation and the opportunity to talk to uh, to this uh, very large group of uh, uh, people that in some way or another have encountered uh, triple negative breast cancer in their lives. Um, so uh, I just want to echo some of the comments made by Dr. Getz and Dr. Mitchell before in uh, that we are um, essentially uh, trying to get smarter on how to better define triple negative breast cancer, but what it's driving the disease rather than uh, defining triple negative breast cancer by the lack of other markers. So if you think about it, triple negative breast cancer is just a, a term that we use as clinicians to help us know what treatments do not work. But what we really need to focus on to try to uh, make progress in this disease and help more patients is to try to identify what actually is driving that cancer. And we've seen a lot of that um, uh, come up uh, in studies over the last uh, few years and some of that in, in, in the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium as well. Um, before I move on to uh, the treatment side effects and, and some of the quality of life aspects highlighted in San Antonio, I wanted to also highlight a couple of uh, studies that I think reinforce some of the concepts that we already um, uh, had been thinking about in triple negative breast cancer particularly. Um, so, for example, uh, there was, uh, as Dr. Mitchell had mentioned, uh, when patients received uh, chemotherapy before uh, undergoing their surgical uh, treatment, um, you know, we we get a lot of information at the time of surgery from the from the pathologic specimen on how much did our treatment actually affect the cancer, and 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 that can give us information on how uh, the patient may do over time and and whether additional treatment is needed, and uh, that was. Uh, we had some reassuring information from a large clinical trial uh, called iSPY2 uh, clinical trial, which is a, a very large trial that is uh, testing a series of new uh, and promising treatments uh, for uh, for all breast cancers, but particularly uh, for high-risk triple negative breast cancers and HER2-positive breast cancers. And in that study, um, uh, there was uh, data presented on on how the uh, how achieving complete clearance of the tumor at the time of surgery, what we call pathologic complete response or PATH-CR, how that correlated with long-term outcomes. Um, so as, as some of you may be aware, of course, and it makes intuitive sense that if you give chemotherapy and at the end of the chemotherapy you go to surgery and there's minimal to no cancer surviving in the breast and the lymph nodes, intuitively we would think that that would correlate in the future with a with a better uh, 
prognosis and a lower a lower risk of recurrence. And we have thought about that for many years, and some data have suggested that that's truly the case. But it's nice to see in this large trial that that actually um, remains true, and that the patients that do achieve clearance of their tumor do seem to do better over time and just um, uh, provides us with more reassurance that we can actually use that treatment approach to test newer and, and potentially uh, promising and, and more effective agents for this disease and get a real-time uh, assessment as to whether that treatment is actually working for the patient that is receiving it. Um, so I just wanted to highlight that um, particular study and also uh, echo that uh, there's a lot of uh, research happening on drugs that are trying to target things that we think drive triple negative breast cancer. For example, the PARP inhibitor data that that the previous speakers shared, you know, are particularly exploiting that genetic alteration in some uh, cancers uh, uh, related to the BRCA mutations. There was also a study with a new agent uh, that uh, is what we call an antibody drug conjugate. Basically, it's a, it's a medication in which uh, uh, in the laboratory, an antibody that recognizes a particular uh, portion of the cancer cell is attached to a to a molecule of a chemotherapeutic agent, and we have done that in other can in other types of breast cancer, such as um, particularly in HER2 positive breast cancer, using that HER2 marker to deliver chemotherapy more effectively and more targeted to the cancer cell, and try to spare the rest of the normal cells from the side effects of that particular chemotherapy. But we had never had uh, success uh, in, or at least uh, evidence of success in uh, the triple negative breast cancer um, uh, patient population because, like I mentioned before, we don't know what what um, uh, drives that cancer or, or what wouldn't have targets uh, to aim at. Um, so there's a study that um, uh, used a new agent that has a, a very long name uh, it's called sasituzumab govitecan, but that particular drug targets a protein that appears to be present much more frequently in breast cancer and particularly in triple negative breast cancer and uh, delivers a, a chemotherapy right into the cancer cell. And that study has shown very promising data uh, of patients that had not had good luck with other chemotherapy drugs and had received a lot of treatment before they received this drug, and many of them seem to benefit from this uh, particular agent. So that uh, drug is moving forward and something that I think we're going to be hearing a lot in the future and actually was granted um, breakthrough therapy designation by the FDA to try to support uh, the development of this drug. So uh, I think that's promising because, again, it's letting us, uh, we're moving into a phase in which we are uh, finally starting to target uh, some specific vulnerabilities of triple negative breast cancer that we had not uh, known about before. Now, moving on to uh, the uh, data presented on treatment side effects, um, there, was, uh, there were a few studies that some that could pertain to triple negative breast cancer patients and others that are a little more general uh, for the breast cancer population uh, as a whole. Um, 
I wanted just to highlight a couple of those. And uh, one study uh, looked at the issue of uh, fertility and uh, premature uh, menopause in patients with breast cancer. And um, uh, while this, uh, we typically f uh, think about this more in the patients that have an estrogen-driven breast cancer because we're going to be using medications that block estrogen, uh, this is also true for patients with triple negative breast cancer, particularly young premenopausal women that get diagnosed with this disease more frequently. Um, uh, given that chemotherapy can uh, definitely affect ovarian function over time. And we don't think of the ovaries as being particularly relevant in the triple negative breast cancer uh, patient population. However, we do know that uh, patients or, or, or women that undergo premature menopause or, have, uh, or need to have their ovaries removed for other reasons unrelated to breast cancer, um, you know, can have uh, more issues down the line with cardiovascular uh, problems and, 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 and other health-related uh, issues. For that reason, the issue of premature menopause is, is important even in, in the triple-negative breast cancer population. And this study looked at a medication um, that suppresses the ovaries during chemotherapy, primarily to uh, uh, try to save the, uh, you know, the eggs, if you will, to preserve fertility, but also looked at the rates of uh, ovarian, uh, premature ovarian failure in the future. And with this medication given through uh, the treatments of chemotherapy, the, um, the investigators saw that across uh, several studies, the uh, rates of premature menopause decreased uh, approximately by half. So it is uh, something I think that we per perhaps need to start thinking about, not only from the um, uh, fertility uh, point of view, but also from the long-term toxicity point of view. Um, there was also another study that um, was not, um, you know, was focused on the ER positive uh, uh, population, but I think that, you know, something that we could consider also in triple negative patients is a study looking at um, uh, acupuncture for joint related symptoms related to anti-estrogen therapy. Now, uh, while the triple negative breast cancer patients would not be taking anti-estrogen therapy, there are many other treatments that we use, including some chemotherapeutic agents that can cause um, you know, musculoskeletal symptoms, and by that I mean you know joint pains, muscle pains, and, 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 and symptoms of that nature. And this study showed that at least in the, in the joint pains that are related to uh, anti-estrogen therapy, acupuncture seemed to be effective, and that's something that, you know, we had anecdotal experience of, and it's uh, actually nice to see that, that that there appears to be a benefit in a in a control setting when when you actually do a study to try to quantify that benefit, and it's something that I think you know we um, uh, perhaps need to explore more outside of the joint. Um, uh, pains related to endocrine therapy, uh, given that it's a non-medication uh, treatment, is something that um, that has very little side effects and and uh, and, and may have potential. Um, now, uh, in the last uh, few minutes that I have, I wanted to um, uh, talk about uh, you know some some of the things that the uh, listeners may want to consider when they are um, uh, seeing their physicians and thinking about clinical trials. 
first of all, I, w- I would like to encourage all the participants in the call to to play an active role in all the aspects of decision-making um, and to not shy away from asking questions to your team uh, because this is, from the physician's perspective, this is a partnership. And, and we know that throughout history, breast cancer patients and their loved ones have been tremendous advocates and have helped move the field forward and push for more research and resources. And I truly believe that uh, this is partly why we have seen so much progress over the years and improvement in the breast cancer outcomes over time compared to other tumors. Partly it's because the breast cancer patients have really taken charge and pushed us and pushed the government and society to put more resources into finding better tools and and treatments for these disease. Uh, But despite all the progress that we've made, it's no secret that we're not curing 100% of our patients. And until that happens, we cannot stop innovating and we cannot uh, stop trying new things. So for that reason, I truly think that patients with triple negative breast cancer uh, should always be asking their clinicians about clinical trials opportunities they may be eligible for because this is the only way we're going to be able to advance the field. So in terms of specific questions, you know, I would say that very simply, first of all, if um, your physician has not talked to you about clinical trials, then that's the first place to start at and, and ask them. Are there any trials either here or in other institutions close by that are accessible to you, whether you could be eligible for some of those trials? And if you're offered a clinical trial, I think that it's good to try to get an understanding of what the overall goal of the trial is. And um, if I try to put myself in the patient's shoes, I I think that there are three main types of trials that we could uh, think of. So the first type of trial is a trial in which you are being offered access to something new that uh, could lead to a better treatment or management of your disease that would otherwise not be available to you because it's not approved and it's not paid for by insurance yet. So that's kind of a win-win situation in which you know we're learning about the cancer and we're testing a new treatment and it may offer you a direct benefit and not just advance the field five years down the line, but may actually help you as a patient right now. So that's the first type of trial, and obviously those are uh, really good trials to participate on. There's also a second type of trials in which you may not um, actually get access to something new, but uh, you may be offered to participate in a study comparing two options of either tests or treatments that are available, but we don't know if one is better than the other. So uh, those are the trials that in my mind are trials in which you as a patient has really nothing to lose because these are the the two you know two treatments that you know are thought to be of equivalent but this is an opportunity for you to contribute and advance the field and get a treatment that you would probably get anyways but um, we wouldn't be learning from um, and then there's a third type of trial in which uh, you uh, may not personally get access to anything new but uh, it's a trial in which you may be asked to get a bi- to, to get a biopsy or a blood sample uh, purely to help us understand how the cancer works and what are the targets and vulnerabilities that we can exploit. And it's not going to alter your management, but it may help others in the future. And these are the trials that I think of, you know, being a paid-forward type of trial. You know, you're not getting any, anything specific for yourself, but the benefits may or the results may benefit the advance of cancer science and may help others in the futures. And you do it because you realize that the treatments that you're receiving today are thanks to cancer patients before you who participated in trials in the past and help us figure out that these treatments worked. So um, 
So I think you have to think of the overall uh, you know, type of trial and then ask uh, more about the logistics and, and what are the options outside of the trial that are also available to you and then try to make an informed decision um, with your team on whether uh, a clinical trial is the best option for you at that time or if uh, it's better to reserve a clinical trial for a different time and move on to a treatment that may be available uh, uh, you know, outside of the confines of a trial. Um, so uh, there were other things I was going to mention, but I think I'm over my time, so I, I don't want to cut the time for questions. So I'll turn it back to you, Dr. Messner. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Leon Ferrer. That was outstanding and wonderfully helpful to everyone. And um, uh, and I know there'll be questions for you during the Q&A. Um, I'm now going to introduce um, Ms. Haley Dinneman. Um, Ms. Dinneman is um, the founder and executive director of the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. And um, uh, Ms. Dinneman is going to talk about how to access resources for clinical trials and um, particularly going to stress that the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation has its own matching trial system. So I'm going to now turn this program over to Ms. Dinneman, who really um, was really also very important in making this program possible and supporting it. So thank you. Thank you so much for that introduction, Dr. Messner. Um, first, I'd like to take a moment to thank our partners at Cancer Care and my fellow presenters for the excellent overview and information on clinical trials. I think it goes without saying that TNBC-specific medical research is extremely important to our foundation. Um, we support cutting-edge research at leading medical institutions, and we work very hard to inform our community about any new developments in the area, including clinical trials. We also have expert scientific bloggers at the major medical conferences, including at ASCO, AACR, and SABCS, um, who are there to provide insight and updates on new and emerging research and treatment options. So if you are interested in receiving these updates, please be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, today's teleconference is one of the many programs we offer. All of our programming is specifically designed to address the needs of our TNBC community. And our numerous educational brochures and fact sheets, which include information about the clinical trial process, are available in print or also as free downloads from our website. So I hope you'll use them to your benefit. Also, our website, tnbcfoundation.org, offers a free TNBC-specific clinical trial matching service that we feel is less daunting than clinicaltrials.gov. We also offer an online, uh, an online metastatic trial search, which is a clinical trial search engine designed specifically for people with metastatic breast cancer. And it allows you to easily search for trials that are specific to metastatic triple negative breast cancer. In the past year, over 2,400 individuals took advantage of these two services. Beyond that, the foundation will be hosting a number of educational programs on clinical trials in 2018. So if you'd like to learn more, please connect with us on social media uh, by phone, online at tnbcfoundation.org, or live at one of the many TNBC Awareness Month events that are going to be taking place this coming March. So I know everyone is eager to get to the Q&A. Um, I'll thank you once again for joining us. And Dr. Messner, I'll now turn the program back to you. Uh, thank you so much, Ms. Dinneman. That was really wonderful. And um, I just want to make a few comments just about the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation itself. Um, it's, it's really, it's um, line. So the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation helpline is one eight seven seven eight eight zero. 
800-800-8622, and it offers a host of services. Um, it's uh, staffed by oncology social workers who have expertise in triple negative breast cancer, and we also provide both counseling services and online support groups and telephone support groups, and we also do offer a transportation, a grant, a, a financial assistance for transportation, home care, and child care. So please do take advantage of that service. It's wonderful and it's useful to all of you on the call, and I'll say more about it at the very end of the call again. But now we do want to take questions, and I know there are questions coming in, so I'm going to ask Glenda to tell you how to queue up for questions and let the questions begin. We're going to try to take as many as possible, and if we don't get to your question, I will explain to you how to get your questions answered at the very end. So. But let's, let's see what we can do right now. Glenda? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, if you have a question, please press the star, then the number one key on your touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered or you wish to remove yourself from the queue, please press the pound key. And again, if you would like to ask a question at this time, please press star, then one. <coughs> well, um, this is a question I'm going to actually ask um, uh, Dr. Getz, if you could address this question um, to start with, um, and it comes um, from one of our online participants. Would the panel be able to provide any updates on vaccines designed to prevent recurrence of disease after initial treatment? So, Dr. Getz, if you could start with that question, and again, to address it in a general way so that it, it can help everybody to understand the question and also just um, um, your response to it as well. Sure. Well, I think that um, this is an incredibly important question, um, and it's certainly an area of research that is, uh, again, focused, focusing on the immune system. There are a number of different approaches um, with regard to developing vaccines, and the, the, the basic idea here is that the, the immune system uh, needs to be uh, augmented or the immune, immune system needs to be turned on against cancer cells, and if we one could do that in a, an effective manner, that that potentially could provide some anti-cancer effects. There are a number of different clinical trials that are ongoing. I would just like to highlight one particular clinical trial, and I'm quite familiar with this because it's at our institution. We have an investigator named Dr. Keith Knutson who has been working in this area and has developed a vaccine that specifically targets the folate receptor. And the folate receptor is a protein that's present on many triple negative breast cancers. Uh, and in this particular clinical trial, uh, patients who have triple negative breast cancer who have uh, re completed surgery uh, are, uh, re are um, uh, receiving a vaccine that specifically targets, targets the folate receptor. Uh, and in this clinical trial, <clears throat> patients either receive the vaccine or they receive just a standard drug, uh, uh, an oral drug that is designed to help target the immune system. So all patients do receive uh, one, uh, one drug in this approach, and then the, the, there is one arm of the study where they're actually receiving the actual vaccine. This is one approach, uh, and certainly there are a number of other uh, clinical trial approaches out there where, um, th where the investigators are attempting to develop uh, a way to, if you will, augment or to turn on the immune system. Excellent. Thank you. Um, Dr. Mitchell or, or Dr. Frere, do you want to add anything to that? No, I think he, he covered everything. So okay. I agree. <laughs> okay, excellent. Okay, this is a great, great team. And we have another. We have a question in front of our telephone um, 
participants. So, um, Glenda, if you could have that question, please. And our question comes from the line of Ms. Bethany Kay. Your line is now open. Yes, thank you so much again, Caroline. This, this is an excellent seminar. I have two questions. My question is for Dr. Leon Ferry. Uh, Ferry, I wanted to know about the acupuncture that you're using for joints, but are you using it for lymphedema and also for peripheral neuropathy? And also, are you using, um, I know there's studies being done with the scrambler machine for the peripheral neuropathy, and I haven't heard you talk about that. I appreciate the both of those questions. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you, Stephanie, for that question. Um, and for actual questions. Um, and I guess I'm going to ask Dr. Um, Leon Frere if he you could address this again in a general way in terms of the the question um, as you're able to. Uh, these are available treatments, and if you want to say something. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, thanks for the question. So um, uh, the acupuncture uh, study that was presented was specifically focused on on joint uh, aches uh, related to the anti-estrogen therapy, not particularly related to lymphedema um, or neuropathy. Uh, now, uh, this brings uh, the good point of the scrambler uh, treatments. You know, the scrambler treatment is basically, uh, you know, we, we don't fully understand how exactly uh, how it exactly works, but the premise is that uh, it is uh, a machine with some electrodes that get um, attached to the skin of the uh, in the areas where the neuropathy discomfort is the worst. So most typically, this is in the in the feet and the lower extremities, or it can be in the hands as well from patients that have received um, chemotherapy, such as taxanes. So um, the machine is uh, then designed to send some impulses to the nerves in those areas, and uh, the the whole concept is uh, to, in a way, retrain the nervous system or, in a way, confuse the nervous system and mix up the signals that they're getting. So uh, some of the neuropathy discomfort is related to um, uh, damaging the nerves that feel uh, normal sensations uh, in our extremities, and the the nerves, because they're irritated and damaged by the chemotherapy, uh, they, um, you know, sense uh, normal sensations such as touch, uh, they become uh, painful. The brain perceives them as painful. So the scrambler therapy uh, is basically retraining those fibers to uh, to uh, replace the painful sensation with a different sensation so, such as light touch. Um, and uh, the early studies that have been uh, led by actually Dr. Loprince in our institution have shown some promising therapy, promising results for patients that have not um, uh, noticed improvement in neuropathy uh, by other means, either medications or other approaches. So it's an emerging therapy, and 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 it is available um, uh, in not in every center. We have it available here, and we have it available now even outside of uh, clinical trials. So it is something to. Uh, to certainly consider if neuropathy is an issue. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's excellent. And uh, we have another online question. Um, I'm going to give this one to, to start with Dr. Dr. Mitchell. Um, what about metastatic triple negative breast cancer treatments? Any breakthroughs or options? Uh, so, yes, I think for triple negative breast cancer overall, uh, we used to say what doesn't work, and now we can say, Let's get the information and decide what works. So with personalized medicine, uh, there are newer combinations of medications, um, some of which 
such as pembrolizumab is being evaluated to see if we can prolong uh, the period where uh, there has been a response to therapy. So prolonging response, uh, that's one area. Uh, another is uh, evaluating other medications uh, that address other receptors uh, such as the androgen receptor. The androgen receptor has been known uh, to be associated with prostate cancer, um, and we are finding that uh, a large number, more than 30% of uh, triple negative breast cancers, express this um, receptor. So consequently, using some of the medications uh, that have been used to treat prostate cancer in the past uh, are offering benefit to patients with triple negative breast cancer. And therefore, that's why I say this is really um, the year of 2017 offers uh, tremendous opportunities for uh, effective therapies for patients with triple negative breast cancer. And because the only way that physicians can develop new therapies and define the benefit is through clinical trials. So therefore, it's very important that patients talk with your physicians about clinical trials. I also advocate that don't go online and just Google triple negative breast cancer treatments because not all of the things that are online are of uh, reputable um, uh, research standards. So always talk with your doctor or your provider team uh, regarding clinical trials to see if there's a clinical trial that may offer an opportunity. Certainly, the National Cancer Institute uh, is making a lot of efforts to uh, get clinical trials into the community so that there are many opportunities that are available. Excellent. Thank you. Well, I actually want to thank all of our speakers. They have just been outstanding. And I'll bet they can't hear us applauding them. We are applauding them. They are wonderful. And all of you on the call today, lots of you on the call from all over the country, all the United States and all over the world, and also um, all of you who have asked such excellent questions. Now, I did say I would help you with questions that, Perhaps you still have, because I know you still have questions. And so um, let me address that first um, and foremost. So indeed, if you should have any further questions, and I know you do, of course your healthcare team is always a, a, a go-to place. It's always a place to start. I mean, certainly that is where you want to start. Um, it's so important um, and um, that they basically know more about you than anyone else, um, you know, on this on this um, on this call, in terms of they know all your details about your own medical history and everything about your particular type, um, genomic type of your particular triple negative breast cancer. So definitely your healthcare team. But I know many of you like to go other places to get information. So we do certainly recommend that you do um, take advantage of the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, um, they, their helpline. And that's 877-769-4827. And that actually is a wonderful resource for all of you um, as well. Um, I'm sorry, that's 877. Just 
877-880-8622. And that's a wonderful resource for all of you, both in terms of getting help, just practical help, um, you know, um, financial assistance with home care, child care, transportation. Also, because of their triple negative, their matching service, their clinical trial program, they really have the most up-to-date information on clinical trials for you um, through their clinical trial navigator program. So that's a great a resource for all of you as well. And the cl- clinical trial navigator program is 877-769-4827, and um, that's, that's a wonderful resource as well for all of you. Um, and, and, of course, um, you also can take advantage of the services at Cancer Care. Um, we have a host of services here at Cancer Care that you can utilize um, by calling Cancer Care at 1-800-813-4673, and our staff are here to help you with all of your concerns and issues as well. So um, with that being said, now we are entering into, of course, a holiday period um, and a new year as well for some people on this call, and I just want to wish everyone um, I know, and I know this is a challenging time for everybody, particularly in the midst of treatment. And again, I would just prompt anyone who's having any concerns or challenges to go ahead and call Cancer Care um, or the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation line. Either one can be of help to you. I want to wish you all a very fine day, and thank you all for your participation. Um, thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes the workshop, and you may now disconnect. Everyone have a great day.